Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Good morning, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict on a freezing cold Friday morning in Florida. You're probably thinking, how is that possible? Well, it is right now, unfortunately. Uh, it's probably colder elsewhere in the world, as it is where my guest is today, is Joe Karuna. Well, I must have mispronounced that. She's going to correct me right now. Joe is from uh, the great city of London or on the outskirts in England. But the thing about Joe is she spends a lot of time on boats conducting a business. So she's going to have an interesting story to tell. So, Joe, welcome. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. And did I mess up your last name, by the way? Only slightly. So um, I think you said Karuna. It's Caruana. Well, that would have been my second guess. It would have been your second guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I was intrigued by what you do for a living uh, because it's it's sort of, I don't know, are you classed as a digital nomad? Although it's, I, I don't know, you're sort of a digital nomad, but you're on a boat. I, I think I would probably class myself as a digital nomad. Um, uh, never really thought too much about it, to be honest. We just love being in different places. We love tiny house lifestyles. Um, you know, there's so much to see, so much to do. And my company has changed so much in the last couple of years that it's made it so that any of us can be anywhere. So we're just making the most of it. Yeah, it's intriguing. and I think that's fabulous what you're doing here. Now, I've got a question for you because uh, you sent me a link um, of one of your discussions on Spotify. I can't remember who the interviewer was. I can't remember. The interviewer is a lovely friend of mine called Trudy Kerr. Okay. Now, she introduced you. And I, I thought this was, well, it's very complimentary, by the way. She introduced you as an actress, comedy actress, producer, presenter, uh, writer, journalist, communicator, businesswoman, and an ambassador for animals. So it begs the question, what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> That's a lot of stuff, Joe. Come on. But I guess they're all tied in with the same thing, isn't it? They're all tied in. It's very much a lifestyle. And um, I, I'm just very passionate about all of those things, I guess. So they all get attention at different times. And I just feel very lucky to be able to have a very varied life. So I started my career in Malta. It's where I went, it's where I was raised. And oh. um, it's where I chose to build my business. And Malta is the kind of place where you can do a lot of things. You can fit in a very full life because it's a tiny island, right? So yeah. your day can be very full. Um, your life can be very full. And um, I'm sure people from there wouldn't mind me saying, you know, you don't have to be too specialized in anything. You can get to try loads of different wonderful things um, uh, that maybe in other places you wouldn't get the chance to. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's it's for the for the 15 years I was based there full time or nearly full time. Um, it amounted to a very full schedule. 
But it's quite a decision you made there to, uh, to to break away. Now, what is your attraction to canal boats? What isn't my attraction to canal boats? Um, I so the idea was proposed to me by my husband Bruce, um, who lives with me on the canal boat. Um, and what so. Bruce has always been interested in eco living, um, tiny house living, off grid living. And um, we were originally thinking caravan. Um, And I was thinking about it. We did a lot of research about caravans and, you know, pluses and minuses, et cetera. And then one day he floats the idea of a canal boat and happened to have a beautiful video of a canal boat to show me. And I was sold instantly, absolutely instantly. So, we, you know, we spent a couple of years planning the lifestyle. We found a boat. It was a long journey to find the right boat. Um, we found the boat. We bought the boat. And um, then, then we did get stuck in Malta for COVID. But we've since been living on the boat after that. And we absolutely love it. I cannot recommend Canal Life enough. You know, I, it's funny that because I have cousins when they're alive. And I know other people who used to sail in canal boats around Britain. And they all loved it. Mm-hmm. And Whereabouts? You, I know there's lots of canals in Norfolk and Suffolk, but where else? You could, you can probably go all over the country, can't you? You can go. You so depending on the boat that you have, you can go all over the country up until the north of England at the very least. And what you need though is is a boat that's called a go anywhere boat, and that is a 57 foot narrow boat, so okay. six foot wide, 57 foot long. What that means is it fits in all the canals. It fits through all the different locks. Um, your listeners might know what a lock is. They might not, but essentially a lock helps the boats um, to go up and down, um, given that the canals are all not all flat in this country. Um, so we're on the beautiful Kennet and Avon, which is in the south, um, the south of England, absolutely stunning part of the world. A um, little bit grey today, but honestly, for the most part, absolutely gorgeous and quite sunny. Excellent, excellent. Well, the thing about canals is no rough water, but you mentioned that word there that probably is a bit off-putting to me, locks, and there's a lot of them, right? <laughs> Takes you from one level of water to another level of water. You have to get out and manually do it, don't you? There's there's work involved, right? Yep, yep. There's a lot of work involved. I have to say that is – I dreaded the, the locks before we started, Um but it's quite a beautiful thing because these locks have been around for hundreds of years, originally used to transport. It was a huge transport network through the UK, now no longer required as a transport and as a network for goods. Um, so it's just us sort of, you know, people choosing to enjoy boats on holidays or lifestyle, whatever. Um, so they've been around for a very long time and they haven't changed. And what I quite like about them is it it requires you to be slow. There's no way around them, right? You have to get out of the boat. You have to do all the cranking, the opening, the lifting, the pushing, the pulling. And you, there's no way around it. You can't Google yourself out oh. of this. You cannot digitize these things. No. They are what they are. And you're going through them at the speed that they want you to go through them. And I quite, there's something quite nice about that. Well, okay. Well, probably I wonder if technology can change in the future to accommodate that. So you, so you're approaching and all of a sudden <laughs> comply. I don't know. So in a day, how many locks would you go through? So on a day, on a on a leisurely day, we would go through two or three locks. Um okay, that's and, and that's that's nice. You know, that's a really nice day with family and friends coming for a visit and we all have a bit of fun and everybody gets out and has a go. Um, on a day where we're actually trying to get somewhere and, you know, the boat moves at two, three miles an hour. So you're not getting you can drive in 10 minutes where you're hoping to get in about a week on the boat. Um, 
So if you want to get somewhere, then you'd be going through sort of seven, eight, nine locks. There is a, a part of the network not too far from here. We hope to do it soon um, where there's, I believe it's 27 locks that you have to do in one day because you cannot, you cannot stop on that bit of the, of the network. And that is brutal. Yeah. I just steer around that. Now, uh, you can't put canal boats on autopilot, can you? You cannot. No, no, that's a shame, isn't it? Now, when you park the boat or canal boat at night, is it typically near a pub? What a good question. Of course it's typically near a I pub. I know it was a stupid question, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> as close to the pub as possible. We've charted all the lovely pubs along the network where we go frequently, and we know exactly where to go, what to order. And um, there's nothing better than a British pub on a cool evening. Yeah, you got that right. You abs- absolutely. Now, in addition to the canal boats and locks and navigate around uh, Britain, uh, you mentioned that you also uh, was in the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't take the canal boat in the Mediterranean Sea. We cannot take the canal boat onto the Mediterranean Sea. We have a sailing boat currently berthed in Malta in a lovely marina in the Grand Harbour, one of the most beautiful spots if any of your yeah. uh, listeners go. The Grand Harbour is absolutely exceptional in Malta. So we we have a lovely sailing boat there that we um, that we use as our base when we're when we're over that way. And uh, a totally different lifestyle, totally different kettle of fish, um, but also, you know, still on the water and still absolutely lovely. Okay, now it's a sailboat, so there's no, there may be an engine on it, but you use it as a backup. Is that right, or is it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, okay, obviously you're in rough seas, you need to get out of there. I mean, that's labour-intensive as well, or can be labour-intensive to, to mm-hmm. a degree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's commendable. And, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Valletta, Malta, I've heard is, I, I would love to go there one day, and mm-hmm. uh, I know a couple of people who actually have stayed there for lengthy periods of time, mm-hmm. and they really like it. And it's mm-hmm. in a great location as well. So where you are in the Mediterranean, I mean, you could you could visit Sicily or or go up the Adriatic Sea. Or, I, I don't know. There's, there's a, a, a wealth of things you can do there. So you've probably seen a lot, haven't you? Um, yeah, I mean, the Mediterranean, one of the reasons we got the boat is because we, we really look forward to exploring the whole of the Mediterranean, you know, all the Greek islands, up the coast of Sicily, Italy, um, uh, over to Spain. You know, it, it, there's an absolutely gorgeous wealth of culture and, um, you know, different landscapes and food and all the good stuff in that part of the world. So, so yeah, and, you know, have internet, will travel, really. That is uh, that is our, uh, our motto at the moment because... Lucky enough to to manage the businesses wherever we are in the world. Uh, yeah, uh, technology allows that. We'll get to that in a minute. But obviously, when you're a sailboat and you're on water for a while, you have to stock with food before you get on. On a canal boat, yeah. you could probably stop by a pub. There may be a, like a grocery store nearby. I guess you just stock up. So it's easy enough, isn't it? It's easy enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, excellent. All right. Well, that's good. Onto your work stuff. You work from the boat. We'll get to the technology side in a bit. I've got a couple of questions about that. Explain. Uh, this is what you do. You run a client curation agency. Could you expand mm-hmm. on that? Of course I can. So yeah, I run a, a client curation agency and the idea is that um, we curate every part of the client journey for our clients. So um, we work on their communication, their PR, getting their website looking good, their social media, all of their client facing communication. And then I'm also a business etiquette consultant. So we come in and we do their mystery shopping, we train up their staff, we coach on customer care um, and just get every part of their customer journey as um you know, as, as nice as they want it to be for their clients to experience. So, oh, it's for a business who might might be starting out 
how do they go about putting it into place or getting established and you can help them along the way? Absolutely. So we work with we work with businesses that are starting out. So they might need to understand the message they want to put across to, to their potential clients or get their website sorted, all of their communications, get their PR organized. Um, but we also work with very established businesses who perhaps feel they've become a di- bit disconnected from their customers. They're not communicating yeah. in the way they want, or perhaps maybe their staff need a little bit of training. Um, you know, em- employment is getting more competitive and complicated than ever and sort of putting a real focus on great coaching and great training as well as mystery shopping and understanding your client journey that can make a real difference to the success you achieve yeah uh, exactly there's a bit of marketing in what you do do you also design the websites there or just or you just provide guidance or do you actually do the actual groundwork build a website we do we do all of the implementation, yeah. So we do the copywriting, the messaging guides. Um, I'm Story Brand certified, which is a really fantastic communications framework. Actually, comes out of the of the US. Um, so we take them through all the different elements, depending on what they need. Um, you know, based on a menu of services, and then of course we implement that as well for them. So yes, there's the coaching, but there's also the implementation because people are busy. They can't, you know, they don't want to necessarily yeah. do all the stuff themselves. Now, I, I suppose people just approach you, they find you on the web or, or whatever, or, or word of mouth. So then they approach you and uh, you figure out um, what they really want. And then you quote them a price for all that and you go from there, pretty much it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't know if you guide people into leading a stress-free life or you do anyway, by the sound of it. What do you mean by that? Just get rid of all well, your worries. I think- and- yeah, get all of your worries and jump aboard a boat. That's probably my uh, my bit of advice for the day. I think so. We're we're not sort of specialized in in helping people to lead a stress free life. Although from from a business perspective, although of course getting your customer journey right, getting your customer communication right will reduce stress. It's a huge it's a huge stress on businesses. Yeah. But I think um, you know this this um, development in my lifestyle. You know, moving onto the boats, um, choosing to downsize, choosing to live a little bit alternatively. Um, building a team and running it remotely, um, you know, they've all been steps in in getting to a much to that, less yeah. stressful life. And um, and yeah, I, I I do really enjoy talking about it because I think you know we have to own the choices that we make in life and um, and sort of you know take decisions if we are living a stressful life. If things are bothering us, then as much as possible, we want to be taking stress as steps to reduce that. It sounds like you're, you're quite qualified for that. Obviously, we're going through stressful times right now for a lot of people. And um, I, I still travel quite a bit, even considering the uh, situation we're in now. And just going through airports and sitting on a plane. Right now, I'm witnessing a lot of people with emotional support pets. Mm-hmm. You see it in England as well? Yeah. I mean, I think emotional support pets are probably not as big here as they are in the US. I've read quite a bit about that in the US. I do have a dog who travels with us everywhere we go. Um, and uh, he's had to get used to life on a boat as well. And um, I suppose in many ways, he is my emotional support animal. He's a great oh, little go. guy to have around. You throw him overboard for, for a swim every now and again, do you? <laughs> Um, not so much in the canal, but he did have a few swims off. He does have a few swims off the sailing boat. Uh, it took him a while to get used to it. I can't say he's a natural swimmer, but he does have a he does have life life jackets in both locations. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, just in case. <laughs> it's funny. I was uh, way recently, and uh, they're uh, going through a couple of airports, and there's a lot of people walking around with with dogs, which is a, the the animal of choice for emotional support pets, mm-hmm. and even on planes as well. 
But I noticed that a couple of airports in Nashville and Atlanta, there are now bathrooms or toilets, as we say in England, for pets. Really? Yeah, they've added those as well. I thought, how? what are we heading to here? Yeah, there's there's uh, pet relief stations, I think they call them. So they're evident in airports. Who knew that was going to happen? I did not know that was going to happen. I definitely don't think that we've got that as much over here in Europe. We did we did come over by ferry on our on our trip up from from driving up um, through Europe, yeah. and uh, that was a very dog friendly ferry. It was wonderful because the dog was allowed in the cabin with us. Obviously, yeah. they're special cabins. And I they think it's great. Wherever it really does to help people get through the situation. Funny enough, myself and my wife were down in the Turks and Caicos Islands recently, which is a British territory, by the way. It's not far from here, so it's beautiful beach down there. I was on the beach one day, and I bumped into an, a couple with an emotional support pet and it was a parrot <laughs> wonderful yeah i thought it was great and uh yeah i had him a picture staying with a parrot on my shoulder it's a cuddly little thing i thought well, whatever it takes you know so uh, whatever it takes did you did you feel supported did you feel therapized <laughs> it was only for a few minutes but it was funny i looked at him he was looking at me and so, yeah he seemed like a friendly bird but it, it was it was just fine but the couple were doting on him all the time they're on the beach like stroking and petting him whatever it takes it's uh, wonderful they even took him in the water it's that type of environment we live in today but Absolutely. you're basically off the grid and now off the grid can be relative Right. I know people yeah. have lived off the grid before, but they could be in the middle of a desert. They could be somewhere and they're really off the grid. You are, but you've got access to stuff, right? So you're you're off the grid, but you can be more off the grid than that, right? Because you could Absolutely. be without electricity and all that. But I think yeah. because you've got a family there and um you you've got to be a little bit careful of what you stretch yourself to do and but you're a young family so you can do that and uh and my for that doing it while you can but. absolutely we we really enjoy it i mean i think that's been one of the most exciting things of moving into this life just understanding energy how it works i mean i'll be honest and say i was probably a bit naive you know about not having the knowledge of you know what takes more energy your hair dryer or your kettle um all of the things you use every day now now i have to be quite careful you know sometimes i have to choose between a hair dryer and a kettle if we yeah. can get through the day um uh, with lights at the end of it so it's not a bad lesson to learn you know we all have to be more aware of the energy that we're using it's one of the biggest challenges we face as a um as a world and um i've certainly learned a lot about about what um you know how our energy is used and how to reduce it Sometimes it's a little nerve wracking when you have to make those choices and perhaps you wish you had a, you know, you could just plug yourself in. Yeah. Um, but it's been a really, I think everybody should have to experience it because you, you, you learn quickly that things can run out. Oh, absolutely. And even with technology, technology does break, which leads me to another question here. The future of communication and uh, customer care, right? And mm -hmm. what you do is guide people, a business, into providing great customer care. In this day and age, products are important, but customer care is even more important, I would yeah. think, um, and where, where, where it's competitive. So people could be like me, could be like my next door neighbor. They're more inclined to uh, do business with, with companies that take care of them or are well-mannered on the phone or whatever. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. So now the technology changed has changed a bit. When I was working, I used to be in the technology business myself and communications uh, from a software standpoint. Mm -hmm. But where do you see the future is on this? Uh, you know, the technology and the methodology and uh, you know, how would it affect us geographically? You're in a situation where you're on a boat. 
it must be a little bit more challenging than if you were in an office. Well, back in my day, it would be impossible for me to conduct business on a, on a boat. So um, how do you overcome all those obstacles? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, and you know, we're constantly trying to overcome those obstacles. Um, I guess, you know, COVID has made it easier than ever for us to be remote and for us to work from home. Uh, my company's fully remote. My team are based all over the world. And, um, y- you know, we work in this way naturally. I don't mind whether they're on a boat or sort of, you know, living in an elephant sanctuary. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anybody can do this job um, on the go. Um, the technology, of course, is very important. So we have a sort of on-the-go internet connection um, that sort of, it's a bit like a mobile device, right? So instead of hooking up to the wall in your house, it connects to a mobile device. Um, and it, we're really pleased with how it works. We actually, to keep us going over here, we actually have two different service providers and we switch between them. Because as we go along the canal, sometimes we find that one service provider has a stronger connection in this part yeah. of the canal and another one has it. So we switch those out. We switch between it does cost them, yeah. us a little bit more because we're paying for two contracts, uh, but we find that it gives us the stability that we need to make sure that even as we cruise, we're never risking that we don't have the service that we need to conduct business. I mean, last time we were out cruising, I was on a call with a, uh, a client in New York going up in the lock while my husband was driving the boat. So I'm literally <laughs> sitting there with the water pouring down and us moving up in the lock, having this meeting with a client who, you know, technically was none the wiser that that's what we were doing and it's a really fun way to to sort of live your life and conduct business as you go and I think overall I'm surprised with how easy it is yeah uh, you know what it's accepted these days Um, how many zoom calls have you been on with someone and there's a dog walking by in the background Mm -hmm. or a cat sleeping behind you that person it, it happens but it's all acceptable because people understand it I don't know whether we're actually ever going to go back to the situation where everyone just goes back to a workplace because a lot of companies now says, yeah, everyone can just work from home in future. We don't need to have office space to accommodate these people because the technology is here. Yeah. I I think different businesses will have to handle it in different ways. I think obviously some businesses require you to, you can't work from home if you're a waiter, you can't work from home if you're running a hotel. You know, there are certain businesses that will always require that human in-person touch. But I think the majority of businesses, especially as we go more digital, can can work from anywhere. And I think it's a good choice to give your staff. So we found that sort of our Malta team, they really enjoy getting together about once a week, sort of to have that in-person contact yeah. uh, because they enjoy it. But we found that that time is best utilized for them having a coffee together, enjoying each other's company, doing a bit of team building um, uh, and just kind of having a lighter day. And then on the other days, they work from home or a cafe or wherever they want to be. And that's when the work gets done. So I think it's a really good balance different personalities react in different ways it doesn't suit everybody to work from home because it can be quite intense um in fact on certain days i love going to um i'm I'm a member of sort of a a working a co-working space where you can go and work you hire a a, a, you know a hot desk in an office and uh, that gives you a little bit of a a break from working in in one intense space and the one i'm part of is great because it's a global network so i'm able to sort of go wherever i am in the world i go there and uh i think it's the perfect mix for me but it you know, it does depend on your personality. Some people hate working from home. Yeah, I've, I've met people like that. They have to get out of the house and go to an office somewhere, whether they're basically, that's the way they grew up, they're stuck in the ways or can't get used to that environment or they don't want to be at home and they want to drive somewhere. Who knows? But the technology can only get better, as it always I has done. So. Yeah, and, and the communication and the coverage, of course. So maybe there'll be internet 
uh, coverage one day in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Who the hell knows? Maybe. Yeah, you know, you never know. I'm giving your ideas now. Yeah, let's take a let's take a bus and go in the middle of Sahara. That I don't know. You could go anywhere really. We, we did have is- a we did have a fun one last year where we were out on the sailing boat and we weren't quite getting uh, the internet that we needed and we were working off again sort of a a mobile device and uh, my husband and I decided to hoist the mobile device up to the top of the mast uh, where it got a far stronger signal. So um, <laughs> uh, you know you can make anything work. I, I, brilliant. Uh, okay, you're on a Zoom conference and you're in the Mediterranean Sea and there's a bit of a rough wave. So you kind of go, yeah, all right. I, I I can picture that. It doesn't matter, does it? Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody. Okay. What you do for, for for a living? You mentioned a phrase called story brand framework. Your business mm-hmm. is based on story brand framework. What is that? Oh, the Story Brand Framework is is a fantastic framework developed by Donald Miller, uh, the author of Story Brand. Mm -hmm. And um, he is uh, an author and sort of entrepreneur, great business mind operating out of Nashville, Tennessee. And this is a framework that helps you to tell your story. So I highly recommend the books, Building a Story Brand, it's called, for anybody that's maybe struggling to get the story of their business across, to to say really clearly what it is that their business does. It's so easy for us, you know, when we're describing our business, when we're trying to connect with clients, to actually say what we do in a simple way so that other people don't just switch off. Because to us, it's so important. It's so critical that we tell it really, really clearly. But what we end up doing is getting all sort of confused. And um, just at the end of the day, you see other people, sort of their eyes glaze over as you try to explain what you do. So story brand is this, as I said, a brilliant framework that makes it simple and effective to tell the story of your business so that it engages its potential clients. And um, I chose to certify in it a couple of years ago, um, right at the start of COVID. And again, it's been one of the brilliant steps to um, open myself and the business up to this international world that perhaps was a little more off limits when the world was more location-based. Yeah, sure. Whereas now, you know, whether I'm working with an American client, a client in Australia, or a client in Malta, makes absolutely no difference. It's important. And I'm a story to tell. Maybe you've got more than one story to tell on several. But mm-hmm. one of the things we used to use, have a story to tell, a story that works uh, in good times and also in economic downturns as well. Mm-hmm. Why somebody, you need to buy my product and let me tell you why. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing. But when you say a story, you use a story brand. Is it like a, it's not fictional? It's just a, a theory on, I don't know. You turn, you turn, sort of turn it into a story, or how does that work? Yeah, at the end of the day, storytelling is, uh, you know, a, a human technique that's been passed down from generation to generation yeah. for millennia. What we remember are stories, and if you can find a way to tell your business a story in a compelling way that takes the the sort of center off you and puts it onto your hero, onto your client. Um, If you can do that effectively, they're going to be far more engaged with what you do. Exactly. It's got to be something they can relate to, something they can relate to, and then that's enough to to, to close the deal, of course. Well, excellent. Okay, let's talk about travel. Um, Sure. Travel. You know, that stuff you've been doing, right? That little thing. Traveling around. Okay, now, uh, I'm not sure how far uh, you've been on a wonderful planet, but you've sailed and you've probably flown a bit. So you like Malta. I get that. And I want to go there and everyone I know has gone there. I really like it. But what's your favorite place you've been to so far on your travels? 
I'm lucky enough to have spent quite a lot of time in Japan. Um, my husband was based there for 20 years. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, living in Kyoto. So we long distanced um, when we first met. He was in Japan. I was in Malta. So there was a lot of travel to Kyoto and some other yeah. beautiful parts of Japan. And I would say every time I went back, I was just blown away with how special it is and what a different way of life um but what an exceptional way of life so clean so friendly um different yet familiar the food is phenomenal mm-hmm. um there are days i still wake up and i think gosh what i really want now is um you know some gyoza or um some amazing i don't know japanese um sushi or another amazing flavor and uh, and yeah i think i think japan is quite hard to beat actually Japan is great. Um, I've, I've got a relative who lives there. My father was born in Durham City, mm-hmm. and his niece, still alive today, she's in her 80s, um, her son lives over in Japan. He's been living in just outside of Tokyo for 20 or 30 years now. He loves it. And Hard to Yeah, and the thing that obviously Japan is quite high up there in the, uh, the human development in, in index, but it's also a safe place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it has a lot going for it. Pretty much Asia, Asia is, um, I love that part of the world anyway. So Great Japan's your sort of favorite place. Now, what's on your list as far as places you would love to go to but haven't got there yet? So right now, I'm so excited to be exploring the UK, right? So I have always been quite city-centric in the UK in the past. So you come to London, obviously, you see a show, you try the restaurants, maybe go up to Edinburgh, that's where I studied. I have a great affinity for the Scottish capital. But I think what's fascinating me at the moment is the tiny villages and towns dotted around um, England. They are absolutely brilliant, like little gems, little... You know, so many great cultural spots, great food spots, um, lovely shopping, just a, a real bit of everything. And every part has its unique elements. So on my list, definitely is exploring the UK as as in-depth as I can possibly get. Um, I guess beyond that, um, I know we want to spend we want to sail over to Greece and do the islands in Greece um, in some yeah. depth as well. So that's that's definitely high on the agenda. I'll be honest, I don't know too much about that. That's what my husband is planning. Okay. While I'm busy planning all the little hops from village to village. Um, so those I would say those are the two we're that are most on our agenda. But the funny thing about living on a boat is you're you're like a tortoise, right? So you just take your home with you wherever you go. And both of us having traveled quite a lot in recent years, it's quite nice not to be packing and unpacking and doing all of the the big travels. I think we're quite excited about traveling while we just live um, and building our communities and getting to know people in all the different places we end up. Um, I think for me, that's the really exciting bit about being living this lifestyle. Yeah, it it sounds exciting. But... I want to guess that one day, sometime, not in the near future, but one day you're going to have that discussion with your husband and say, well, we probably should think about settling down somewhere. Then you're going to have the decision of well, where do we go, right? Mm-hmm. You worry about that later on. But funny you mentioned the English countryside. So I told you earlier on, I'm thinking of renting a, a cottage in the English countryside uh, later this year in June. Um, initial thoughts was, a, a village that has a train station when well, Morton in the Marsh came to mind, right? Mm-hmm. I know it's near Stonewall. My sister used to live in Stonewall, by the way. Um, so Morton in the Marsh because it's a train station. So, yeah, it's got an Indian restaurant. It's got three, actually, a couple of pubs. It's a train station you can walk to, rent a cottage there. Sounds great, 
you know. I try and I don't want to rent a car because I've got quite a few friends and relatives there, but to get on a train, easy enough. And you know what the network of trains like in, in Britain is fantastic. So just go anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was aim for June. Now, I'm really going to confuse you now and probably the people who's maybe listening. Because I'm coming in June, what big event takes place in June in England? Oh, goodness, you've got me now. The Olympic Games. Really? <laughs> See? I know that would get – no, it, this is <laughs> – Google it, Joe. Is happening in June this year here? Yeah, but you've got to hear me out here. Olympic spelled <laughs> O-L-I-M-P-I-C-K, Olympic Games. Right? Okay. It's the medieval Olympic Games. happens every two to three years, and oh. – they takes place around Chipping Camden, which is a great little village, by the way. I, I've heard. So I, I'm time it done. Might be over there during that time. They do these medieval sports. It was been around donkey's years, right? So there's tug of war, cross country running in the muddy fields, and shin kicking. Oh, sounds nasty. And the sport of sticking ferrets down the pants is. I'm not sure if it's still happening, but there's all these medieval sports, but it's part of the Olympic Games. So if you type in that in Google, you'll see what I mean. It's going to be staged. It should have been last year, but they, but they postponed it, but it's actually coming up in June this year. Fine, I know. Well, that sounds delightful. I'm definitely going to have to go to it's that. It's got to be a laugh. It's got to be a, 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 it's got to be a laugh, hasn't it? So I tentatively reserved a, a hotel in the uh, Chipping Camden for a few days during that period of time. Whether it actually transpires or not, I don't know. But the villages like that, Chipping Camden's a good place, Broadway, Morton in Marsh. My sister lives in Metnails within Gloucestershire, uh, which is a, a real nice place as well. The main thing is we've got our flights booked. and um, That's it, and you're coming. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised just outside of Coventry, but wasn't really in the true English countryside, but it has so much character. Buildings made of Cotswold stone. they got a lot of character and hasn't changed Stunning. for years and years. And I thought, it's about time I did this, you know. And that, this it is, is. It. you know, it's really exciting, even for your listeners, to sort of these are the villages that that will be used again and again in all the sort of twee English TV shows that you see, and they're the ones where, like you say, things haven't changed for for decades, and you don't get to see a lot of that. Um, uh, so yeah, I think I think that's definitely worth doing. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. There's a lot could happen between now and then. Who knows? But let's you know. hope it's all good things. And actually, I was as I mentioned before, I was in England in September and I've been fully vaccinated, but I had to have a COVID test before I left to go to England. But when I landed at Manchester Airport, I had to have another another test. Mm-hmm. And out of all the places I went to at that time, I went to U- Ukraine and Poland, just part of that. But um England was the hardest place to get into because of the restrictions, the amount of paperwork, you know, mm-hmm. involved. It, it was quite. It was quite hefty. Um, uh, it's been very hefty at various phases, but I think now um, it's all clear. I think now, as long as you are vaccinated, you can come in. Yeah. So okay. Um, that is a positive thing, definitely for, for getting over here and experiencing those villages. Well, it'd be great for me and great for you also. Um, well, you, well, you're already in the old country anyway, so you're there. Luckily, uh, no no tests needed to go from one canal to the next. <laughs> That's it. That's all you got to worry about. Get through that damn lock again. And is there a problem? That? Yeah, I get it. Wonderful lifestyle. I, it's pretty I, I'm pretty jealous of you, Joe, because I, I <laughs> it crossed my mind many, many years ago. Should I do that? Yeah, I never I never really had the opportunity. Have you never done a canal holiday? No. Oh, you must do it. I challenge you to do it. 
You will love it. Okay. Okay. I got it. Good friend of mine uh, who lives in the Isle of Wight now. He uh, he went on a canal trip uh, fairly recently, and he loved it as well. So there's got to be something in it. You sort of uh-huh. convinced me as well. So we have to see. I don't know. The trouble is, you know, you've heard this overused term, the bucket list, right? Everyone's got yeah. one. Yeah. Mine, mine is getting longer, not shorter. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Surely right. that's a good thing, though. You want to keep adding to that bucket list. That's oh, I know. What we live for. I think having something to look forward to is absolutely uh, very important. Critical. In stage one. Anyway, Jeff, I'm going to leave you in peace. But before we go, if anyone wants to reach out to you, tell them where they can get hold of you, email, sure. websites, or whatever. Why don't you, how about it? Well, that's very kind of you. And I would love to connect with anyone. Um, you can find me on our website. It's www.byfinessegroup.com, byfinessegroup.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. I am at Joe Caruana. Um, uh, if you want me to spell that, I can. <laughs> I think you better see. Oh, well, I can spell it, but spell it out anyway. Go, go ahead. So it's uh, at J-O-C-A-R-U-A-N-A, at Joe Caruana. And yeah, I'd love to connect to anyone, especially if you want travel tips to the UK or, you know, advice on canal boat or sailing boat living. Um, yeah, it'd be great to, to chat. I think it's great because, you know, when people, especially from North America, go over to England, they're fo- going to focus on London initially. And I get that. Yeah. They could go back and go to London again and again, but sometimes you just got to go out in the countryside and see You've got to. the special. Isn't it true? And everyone I talk to about this, I admire the same thing. Go out into the English countryside. You'll love it. But anyway, Joe, thanks for coming on today. And, That's all. It's uh, been my absolute pleasure. I love, I loved having this chat, and I and I really always enjoy your your travel advice. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for doing this. All right, Joe. Well, you know, if you uh, go off the beaten track again, just send me an email or something. Guess where I am now? Be great to hear from you. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. All right. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Have a great Thank weekend. You. Bye. Bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.